What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And Taylor, Sabres After Dark is off to a hell of a start as the Buffalo Sabres took down the Edmonton Oilers 4-2 in a win in Edmonton. Eric Comrie was stellar with a career-high 46 saves, and the Sabres saw goals from Rasmus Dahlin, who now has three goals in three games, along with Tage Thompson, who had a decent-ish goal. It was okay. It wasn't anything ah. special. J.J. Paterka again continues his tear, and it was capped off by Alex Tuck, who had scored the fourth goal for the Sabres. Really impressive win all around. Again, Kymery was just phenomenal from start to finish. Completely shut down the heavy hitters from Edmonton. Taylor, what were your thoughts on the game? We still own Connor McDavid. Damn right. How weird is that? I think what's going to end up happening is McDavid is going to leave Edmonton at the conclusion of his contract, and he's going to say, hmm, where do I want to go? Do I want to go to a, a real contender, like a big team, who's going to maybe clear some money for me? Or do I want to go to the team that I've never been able to beat and get past? And I think he's going to do that. I think Connor McDavid is going to go the Kevin Durant route. And the Buffalo Sabres, <laughs> <laughs> the Buffalo yeah. Sabres are Connor McDavid's Golden State Warriors. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're just like the Warriors. I do agree with that. Uh, yeah, it's really, it's wild. I think they said in the broadcast that he has his lowest points per game yeah. now against the Sabres. Insane. Yeah, it's still a point per game. But he just wanted to come here so bad in 2015 that he just can't bring himself to score against us. It is. Or is it just that we just keep throwing the big guns against him? <laughs> so he's been shut down by Josh Georges, Rasmus <laughs> uh Zach Bogosian. Oh, I don't man. even want, I don't, who would have shut Marco him down last Scandella year? Marco Scandella at some point. Oh, last year? Gosh. <laughs> Jacob Bryson, baby. Jacob Bryson. He can't handle the wrath of Bryson. Eric Comrie. Mm. So... That this has been an interesting first three games overall because I think there's you know there's the two and one people feel generally pretty good it's like oh they only lost to Florida Florida's really good they only lost by a goal so really good start so far and Comrie looks promising that's I mean forty six saves I don't want to skip past that he at one point was like at forty five of forty six mm-hmm. because it was like the second or third last shot that went in that allowed Edmonton to, to tighten the gap a little bit. They were just piling yeah. on at the end. Yeah, so I think that was an interesting game. So I want to zoom out a little bit and just look at it because a lot of people uh, are excited, like I said, but also some people kind of looked at the uh, expected goals so far. And I think this might be too small of a sample size for a yeah. couple reasons. Three games. For, for reference it to is... the Sabres are, I believe, like in the bottom five, I think, in expected goals. Yeah, and that's – yeah, they're at a bad – and I expect a goals percentage, I should say. Yeah. Not overall percentage, goals. right. Like, but they, like, just looking at it, they played a pretty even game with Ottawa, came out on top. They definitely, Florida got the best of them, but they stayed in the game. And like I said, it's Florida. And then last night, really weird game. The Sabres mm. take a lead, mm-hmm. right, with Dallin's goal. Or did, wait. Or no, Edmonton score first. Anyway, it doesn't matter. First period. Dallin made it 1 nothing on the power yeah, play. That's right. Dallin did score first. And then. Edmonton kind of dominated at the end of that period. Yep. And all of a sudden it was like, it was tied, but they were up in shots like 15-6. And then the second, the Sabres, you get that Tage goal. And <laughs> Oh my God. I mean... Well, you got two goals in quick succession, I would say. You got Tage and Paterka. For us, last episode saying, oh, I really haven't been too impressed with Tage so far. He hasn't really played up to the contract. God damn, that goal, <laughs> that's that's seven and a half million well spent right there. Oh my, that was, I can't believe he did that. It was so sick. That was, oh my God. I, I just imagine showing that to a caveman from November 2020. <laughs> Someone's holed up in their apartment, not even November 2020. Imagine showing that to someone in like uh, May of 2021, that Sabre season just ended. 
Eichel wants to get traded. Reinhardt wants to get traded. And you're like, well, look at Tage Thompson. <laughs> this is impossible. <laughs> like, yeah, that's the guy that scored 38 goals last year. And yeah. look at him now. Yeah. I mean, unreal. It's unreal. A, it's a wild goal. One then, thing I'll also say, too, back to your – I just want to quickly go back to it before I forget your point about the small sample size for expected goals percentage. Yeah. A, a perfect example of it being a small sample size is the fact that at the top of that list is the New Jersey Devils. Hey, Lindy Ruff. Lindy extension? Ruff, baby. Lindy Ruff <laughs> yep. <laughs> no firings happening here. Nope. About to give him the Donnie Meatballs treatment, multi-year extension. That's right. So what I was going to say was that that kind of flipped the script in the second period. The Sabres totally took control and, like, dominated the last 10 minutes of that period. And it's like, oh, they clearly look at the better team. And then, oh, my God, the third period. I don't know if the Sabres just aren't good at Oof. parking the bus yet, but, like, man, Edmonton – Pounded the shit out of him that whole period, but couldn't score because of the the combinator. The combinator. Uh, Eric Comrie, like, was he had more than twenty saves in that period alone. So that's what I was gonna get at with the weird sample size things. So it's like, all right, you played three games. One of them was against the best team, uh, maybe the best team in your division. We'll see. Uh, one of them was against a team that uh, I don't know. They were in the Western Conference Finals last year. Yeah. And one of them was against a team people think is going to be at least pretty good this year. You haven't played a bad team yet. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's like, you know, like we said, small sample size. I wouldn't get too worked up about that. I think they've looked pretty good. And, you know, sometimes you have to get bailed out by your goalie. Yeah. You can't, you don't want to make a habit of it. And if there's one thing that this team has not been able to really do over these past couple of years, it's have a goalie that is capable of bailing them out. Yeah. So it's 100%. a welcomed sight to see Comrie being able to play like that and hold it down like that. Of course, you know, the the inverse of that being a small sample size too is, well, there, there's a lot of games left. And so we'll see if Comrie is able to kind of keep this up in this way. But you got to be happy with what we've seen from him so far. But one thing I did want to ask you about, because I feel like this even goes back into last year a little bit. Um, you, you made the comment there about parking the bus in the third period. And I feel like this is become a bit of a theme for the Sabres where they maybe I don't know if I want to go as far to say that they take their foot off the gas but like they play different when they're up and there's 10 minutes left in the third period and I think it's a problem a little bit I I I agree it's a little bit of a problem I also think when I say park the bus you have to do that late I think look at what Florida did to us in the Mm -hmm. last two and a half to say five minutes Two very different things from what the Sabres were executing against Edmonton versus what Florida did to us. Yeah, like you're not getting shots. You right. Like that's the thing you have to execute. Like you can't. Uh, they like you don't let them get through the neutral zone, and if they do get through, yeah, you got to be fucked up, and they can't make a pass. Right. Like, and you only do that for a limited time because if Florida tried to do that for 20 minutes, they might have a problem. Yep. It's not something you do for a whole period. You have a whole third of the game left. Like you still have to keep playing. Right. You you be a little bit safer and, and a little bit less desperate, but you. You, you can't uh, pretend like, oh, we're we're uh, holding a lead. Yeah. Like, we've scored as many goals as we need. Because, like, this isn't 2004 anymore, and it's not even 2016 anymore. The NHL is uh, a decently high-scoring league again. For sure. And it seems like we're rocketing towards the point where we could get to, like, six and a half goals a game. But, but isn't that also, though, like, the antithesis of Granado's style? That's, I think, what's most perplexing yeah. about it. Like, it's one Definitely. thing if we see Ralph Kruger pulling shit like that, but I think... What is just so strange about it is that Granado is all about the run and gun, offense, offense, offense. Like, let's make this exciting. And I mean, I guess to boil it down to like a very simple way of looking at it, it's like if that is what 
gets you in these leads in the first place, why are you going to take your foot off the gas? Like, why wouldn't you just continue to play? Like, obviously, I agree with you that, like, when it gets towards the end of the game, like, exactly like what Florida did, where you just, like, are shutting it down, getting clogged in the neutral zone, like, you're you're shutting down passing lanes in the offensive zone, and you're getting the puck out, like, just not allowing there to be any kind of sustained offensive zone possession time for the opposing team. But... For one, that's not what Granado is doing. But just in general, though, like that's just not who I feel like he is as a coach. And I don't know if it's more so him just like, let's try and squeeze this out and get out of here. And he kind of cowers a little bit with it. Or if he really feels like that's the approach to take, but it just doesn't feel like that's the answer. I mean, they got lucky last night, obviously. But dude, like Edmonton was piling it on in that last sequence. Yeah, it should also be said that they do have some of the best offensive players in the world, and maybe I mean that's two of the too. six best offensive players in the world. Two of the three best. You could say that. Yeah. Two of the four best, I would say. But yeah, it's uh, that those guys aren't easy to deal with, obviously. But you got to do a little bit better than that. I think that was that's a little bit disappointing. Not disappointing. A little bit concerning, I should say, because you are two and one at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And honestly, like that's one game from Comrie, but. Hey, that's that is significantly better than he looked on Saturday against yeah. Florida, and In which he still looks pretty good then. Yeah, too. he looks fine. Honestly, Florida's also Florida. Good. Yeah, but it's really encouraging to see like him play this well so far. I know you know small samples like we already said multiple times, but it's worth considering. And uh, you know what? It's been a decently hard start to the schedule, I would say. Yeah. And it's not going to get too much easier uh, tonight as mm. people listening to this. No, it is not. Thursday night. The Calgary Flames. Yeah, last year's one seed. Or no, two seed. Yeah. Pacific Division winner. Pacific winner, yeah. They, but, man, losing, obviously, uh, as we've talked about, you know, a few weeks ago, losing Gaudreau and Kachuk is obviously tough, but when you're replacing him with Huberto, Kadri, and Mackenzie Weger, that's it's, not too bad. It's about as well as you could do. That's one of the biggest... I think team to team changeovers I've ever seen in hockey. I, I would really definitely say so. When you uh, lose that talent, you usually just lose it. Just like, oh, we lost two hundred point players, but it's okay. We got two completely new ones now, and yeah. a really good defenseman out of it too. Yeah. So which Florida, speaking of which, as a quick side note, and speaking of the division, probably really wishes they had Mackenzie Weger right now, as Aaron Ekblad goes on LTIR again. Yeah. Again, that's brutal. Such a shame. That man, unfortunately will probably never win a Norris because of it. But if he was able to stay healthy for a full season, like consecutive full seasons, we'll even say, like in his prime, you're probably looking at somebody who would be a top two or three Norris vote getter. Well, he probably just, would he have won it last year? Or would Makar have won anyway? Or would he have won it two years ago, maybe? Two years ago, I feel like maybe would have been. Yeah, he probably would have over Fox. Because Fox, like a big trump card for him would be like, making the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, so I'm looking at this now, by the way, getting back to Calgary. They are 3-0. and A good start. Pretty similar start to last year. So maybe they haven't missed too much of a beat yet. And plus, the other thing we should say is they do have good goaltending. Yes. And that's, Important. That's that can steady you. Yeah, definitely. So they're 3-0 and now. Uh, they are leading the Pacific. Oh, technically they're tied with Vegas, but Vegas has played one more game than them. They're also tied with LA, who's played two more games than them. So... Tough game. Uh, who would you say... So, uh, last year I would say you had a tough matchup problem with them. Because it's like... And the Sabres got uh, dog-walked by them the first time they played. 
uh, which was not good. No. <laughs> uh, I, I'm trying to remember who actually like went off on them. It was not uh, it was not Gaudreau or Kachuk. Someone else I was talking about who scored two goals. Was it Lindholm? Nope. Well, I'm not gonna remember now. Anyways. Yeah. Anyway, they, they so they had those two guys though. Two guys you really have to worry about. They don't have either of those guys now, but who is the guy you worry about? To me, it's Huberto. And he's even been off to, I think, comparatively, like a relatively slower start for them. I mean, yeah, he's definitely somebody to worry about there. I also think Elias Lindholm, too, man. I mean... <laughs> Someone you forget about. He's yeah. taken on a bigger role with this team now with the, with the two marquee names leaving. And, I mean, even still, he's been a consistent fixture for them you know, in their top six there and has been somebody for years, I feel like, that's been overlooked. And it feels like now, just these past couple of years, he has just come into his own, man. And he yep. is just, you know, he, he can play center. He could play on the wing. He's solid on the power play. Like, he's not a slouch in his own zone. Like, Lindholm is just really, really damn good. And he's somebody, too, that I think about. It's kind of funny that, around the time that the ROR trade was, the rumors were swirling about that. He was one of the potential returns from Carolina, you know, before they ended up obviously making the move with, uh, with Noah Hannafin and, um, and Dougie Hamilton. Lindholm was a guy that people were saying was, was, was rumored to be part of a, a key return for ROR there. And it's like, damn, we were that close to having a guy like that. But he hey, is... you have someone better. You're right. So I just real quick, though, it's... Um... It was Mangiapane that I was thinking. Andrew, oh, yep, 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 yep. But uh, I was also wrong in thinking that the other guys weren't a big deal because Gaudreau had two goals and Kachuk had one. Mangiapane had two, so that's this little 5 nothing win for them last year. Oh, love that. Love yeah. that. But, yeah, and, and anyways, though, yeah, Lindholm last year, I mean, he elevated his play to point-per-game pace. 42 goals last year. 42 goals, 40 assists for the Flames. I mean, I know a lot of those guys were going off, but... That's no joke there, and uh, so he's somebody I'm worried about. And again, you have to you got to keep in mind Markstrom too, man. Markstrom had a hell of a bounce back year last year. He's been pretty consistently good, aside from like two years ago with the Flames. I think it was his first season where it was you know he leaves Vancouver and shows up there, and then it's like oh god, like are the wheels about to fall off for this guy? And then that's tough too because wasn't that the COVID um, yeah bubble not not bubble season but the weird Canadian division? So like yeah. they should have done better in the Canadian division. For sure. But, like, that's tough. You're going to a new team, and there's no fans, and, like, you're kind of separated from your family. I'm not surprised some guys handled that poorly. Yeah, of course. But, of course. no, he's, he's been really good, like you said. I, honestly, kind of an underrated guy. He's been really steady for, like, eight years now almost. And he, so that's a huge thing for them because what they have, obviously I'd rather have their last year roster. Yeah. But what they have now is they have one of the better offensive defensemen. In Uyghur, or I guess he's two way. Two way guy, yeah. yeah, yeah. But he's underrated, very much. Um, so. Kind of on both ends, and then you you add in Kadri, who Kadri's always been really good, and adds kind of a physicalish element that you got with Kachuk, mm-hmm. not as much of a pest. Yeah. Uh, and I guess a reformed pest would be the way to put it. <laughs> and then Huberdeau, a slightly less electric version of Gaudreau, not the same player, but you know what I mean. But so you're really good offense, is what I'm saying. They and that's not even mentioning like Tyler Toffoli too. Yeah, Toffoli. They, so they're really a high scoring team, who also they have Suter, Sutter. What do you say his name? Yeah. Uh, maybe those guys should come together on a decision. By the way, I think somebody needs to talk about it. Yeah. There needs to be a conversation. Yeah. So 
you have him, so you o- you're always going to have a good defensive structure until like the team wants him fired. And then you also have that backstopped by a really solid goalie in Markstrom. So it wouldn't be that much of a surprise to me if Calgary was good. I know I predicted them to be the uh, Western Conference team that fell off the most points-wise, but I just didn't have another one. And now I wish I went with St. Louis or Nashville. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> That's fair. Uh, but, yeah, so I think that they're, they're really good. So mm-hmm. I'm not expecting a win, but really, especially it being a road game. What I would like to see is a similar-ish, even better effort maybe than against Florida. Yeah. Like, you, you play really well. Be in the game. Yeah, be like, in the game all the way through. Yeah. And uh, also, hey, if you want to win, I'm open to that. Yeah, no doubt. Well, Should, should Comrie start, by the way? Yeah, I think he should. Yeah, I think he – I would probably say he will. I would hope, at least. Yeah. I mean, keep rolling with it, you know. You're – Who's back to back? And it's it's interesting too. I was thinking about it after the fact, and I had said after the uh, the first game, the season opener, I was like, why, why did they start Anderson for that game? It makes so much more sense now in retrospect that they weren't going to play Comrie first and then put Anderson up against Florida, and then you have Edmonton too. I feel like it makes sense that you gave Anderson the easier team in Ottawa, and then you really put Comrie to the test against Florida. And, I mean, obviously Edmonton too, and we'll see. I I, I think he earned the right to have another start. You know, maybe you give... uh, you give Calgary to Comrie, and then you go to Anderson after. Who's who's next? Is it Winnipeg or is it Seattle after that? Wait, you talking about Vancouver? Or Vancouver is after yeah. Calgary. Okay, yeah. So maybe you go... And then you uh, have Seattle after. Right, that. and Seattle. Okay, yeah, my fault. I, Vancouver, Winnipeg, I got them mixed up. Um, but yeah, no, I I, uh, I I do think they should go back to Comrie. And while we're talking about bright spots here, Taylor, like let's talk about a, a couple of the other continued bright spots who have just been great in every game so far. Rasmus Dahlin and J.J. Paterka. And honestly, we could throw Dylan Cousins into the mix, too. But I think yeah. uh, let's talk about Dahlin and Paterka a little bit first before we get to that. 100%. So Dahlin, he has three goals in three games. That's a Sabres record, mm-hmm. I believe. It also He's going to score 82 goals this year. Did you know that? Wow. Many people are saying it. Congrats. So it's only been done 12 times by a defenseman ever in NHL history. Uh, it's only been done recently by Victor Hedman, really. The last three guys that have done it are Swedish Kelly Johansson. Sabres. Yes, but he wasn't on the Sabres when he did it. Well, yeah, but... But he was a Sabres... He was a Sabre. Prior. He was... Was he part of the LaFontaine trade, or... I don't know. Uh, that's a good question. He... So, anyway, Johansson did it. Hedman did it, like, a few years ago, and now Dalene's done it. It's all Swedish guys, which is interesting. They mentioned that on the, uh, the post-game show last night. But... When you look at the list, there was a guy named, like, Baldy in, like, 1930 who did it. A lot of, like, 70s and 80s, obviously, mm-hmm. early 90s. It's not a thing that defensemen do a lot, and I think it's not just a blip or random luck. It's the way Dalene's looked, particularly on the power play. If there's any bright spot of the power play so far yeah. this year, it's Dalene. And if there's really any overall bright spot through three games, I think uh, uh, there's a few guys that have done well. But, like, Dalene looks like he's, like, that guy now, which is really cool to see how how confident he is and how good he is with the puck on his stick. Yep. Huge. That's huge, honestly. Playing with a lot of confidence, a lot of aggression in his game, which is something that we really haven't seen before. A couple of things, too, that really have have stood out to me. For one, he's currently averaging his highest time on ice to date in his career at 24-29 per night, which is great. Uh, I think it's going to probably stay around that 24-25 number all season. On top of that, he's been shooting a good amount, too. He's got 13 shots on goal through these uh, these first three games, so he's coming in around four shots a game, which is great. His shooting percentage is super high right now, obviously. 
at uh, 23%. But, you know, you think that comes down to, I mean, if he ends up shooting at this this rate still and say it levels off to, again, like around league average, about 12%-ish, we'll say, you could realistically be looking at a, at him scoring 20 goals this year. Am I, like, out of pocket for thinking that? Like, I, I, I do think that... 20 goals is possible. If he's yeah. averaging, like, four-plus shots a game... Yeah. You can, I you think it's done. in the realm of possibility, you know? Like, I obviously, I'm just joking around about, like, the 82 thing, but, like, that, I don't know. Only could, 17 more. Could we... Well, I mean, really, though, like, could we see him... What, what if Darlene is, like, a 20-50-70 guy this year? Yeah, I that's mean, huge. Yeah, that's absolutely. And like I've said this multiple times, and that's why I think he's so important to the future. If you want to be a real contender, it's it's hard to for or it's easy to forget, I should say, with how he started the past few seasons and what happened under Kruger and the fact that his whole narrative for the last year or so has been a rehabilitation of his game. Night and day this year compared to last he, at the start. Yeah, but it's easy to forget the guy he was coming out of Sweden. He, coming out of the draft, people called him Defenseman McDavid. That's not going to happen. Like that's a really ridiculous thing to even call someone. But Kel McCarr. Yeah, but he, they, no one called him that as a prospect. No, though. I know. I Rightfully know. so. I he's know. The fourth overall pick. So, although he shouldn't have been the fourth overall no. pick. Come on, what was everyone doing that year? Insane. Anyways. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he. What if he was like seventy-five percent of that, or what if he was ninety percent of his real potential? Even ninety percent. That's huge. It's hard to forget how. What a prospect he was. You would be looking at Dowling not being, like, just an exciting guy or just, like, quote-unquote good for the Sabres. He'd be, like, uh, something like Adam Fox, yeah. which is huge. Or, like, to compare it to him on someone someone else's team, so someone like Nathan McKinnon. Yeah. That's a, a different position, a, a different perennial value. Norris guy. Exactly. Yes. So, or, like, or think about it this way even. What if he was, like, as good at defense as John Tavares has been at forward? but theoretically didn't fall off a cliff when he was, like, 30. Enormous. That'd be, yeah. that'd be huge. It'd be massive. And that seems like a track that he could realistically be on. And I know he's not going to score a goal every game, but, man, I don't know. If you got a little bit of luck, 20 goals is not out of the Well, question. and I think the other side of it, too, is, like, not only are we seeing a, a progression of his game in terms of just him really honing those offensive skills, but we're also, as we're saying, an evol- it's an evolution. When you, when you talk about... Where he was at, even under Kruger, because I feel like the guy he is now in terms of like the physicality and everything is like, just goes to show just how just woefully inept Ralph Kruger was that a little bit of that guy has been in Darlene and we're really just starting to see it now where he can be a little bit of a physical presence for you. And I'm not saying that he's going to be going around laying out hits like Labushkin was, which ah. good, good God, those, but it really is like we're we're seeing his game progress in terms of the things that he has been billed as being otherworldly special at the offensive side of it the the stick handling um skating the puck up the ice through the neutral zone zone entries like we're we're seeing that growth but again it's evolving into something completely else with this confidence and this this attitude that he's playing it, it really is like an attitude like was it was it the they just had like the soundbite of it come out where he literally was like after the Florida game after that scrum obviously we saw him like going at Kachuk there's a soundbite of him literally yelling at their bench meet me in the locker room in five minutes <laughs> like are you who is this guy like yeah. would you have ever even in your wildest dreams 
thought that that would have come out of Darlene's mouth at this point last year. No, that's it's insane. Hilarious. Like, and, and it's so great to see. And so that's why it's like, man, like I am, and as we all are, obviously, it's not breaking news. Everybody is just collectively all the way back in on him, and it is so warranted and so so well deserved. And 100%. and speaking of well deserved praise, let's keep it going here for JJ Paterka, man. Yo, what? Wow, two Dude, awesome goals so far. Two amazing. Oh my god, yeah. And I think what's really exciting, and I think you had touched on this last episode. Not only has he been great, but it's getting outside of the first round and having one of those guys be great. Yes, obviously he was a second round pick, but the guy that we're seeing right now, yeah, well, if that so were a lot of other fucking well, he, people well, taken in the past, of few course, years. of course, so it was Connor Hurley. Yeah, okay, that's we don't need to go there. <laughs> we don't need to be talking about uh, Karabachek or any of those guys. Those, oh my god, those woeful bastards. Uh, Eric Cornell too, remember him? Yeah, Brendan Lemieux. Brendan Lemieux, Real yeah, big time bum. Oh yeah, and he's one of the better ones. There you go. Well, and so to Paterka though. I mean, this is a guy that, like, you know, we've gone from being like, oh, this is a nice shiny piece, like maybe there's something there, to like, this guy could be like a key fixture on this team for many, many years to come, which I think anybody who even had the highest of hopes for him or was really, really high on him, I think would generally probably have to admit that they're a little bit surprised at how just quickly and, and well he is acclimating to this NHL style. Yeah, and oh, the same 100%. can't be said. And then we talked about it a little bit last episode. And I mean, he's gonna he's gonna come around, obviously. But like, the same can't be said for some of his younger uh, counterparts too, and and Quinn and even Krebs too. You know, to an extent. Um, and that's yeah, not he looks a knock like the on, best rookie so far, right? And and that's not even. And again, I can't stress this enough. Like that's not me saying that to knock on them because I think those guys are absolutely gonna come around and it's just gonna take some time. It's more so a testament to the fact of how quickly this is happening for Paterka. He is just already being an impact player on this team. And again, we I tweeted about it last night during the game. The dude is not a physical guy, but he just wins battles. Like, the offense is there, obviously. There's some some work and some room for improvement on the defensive side of things. But his, his possession numbers have been solid. Like, a lot of just the underlyings have really checked out. And, you know, what we're seeing on the ice is, is the lining up with what we're seeing with his underlinings there. Um but I am just continuously impressed at how he's able to win battles and how smart he is with his stick. Not with the puck on his stick, but to win the puck back without necessarily having to be physical to win those battles, which is not something that many guys really you know, can say that they have that kind of a skill at that size. Definitely. That, what's really impressed me with him, I've said this before, but his continued improvement. He was taken in the weird late COVID drafts, like what, October of 2020 when that happened? And he was obviously overshadowed. A lot of people were disappointed with the Jack Quinn pick. That's a story for a different day. But when Paterka got taken, it was kind of like, ah, yeah, all right, right spot for the mm-hmm, right guy. Mm-hmm. There was no one that was like, oh, yeah, he, this guy should have gone in the first round. Well, I'm sure there was There was a few people. Yeah, I mean, he, he was one of those fringe, like, late first guys maybe. But no, yeah. he was not a consensus by any means. Yeah, there was no, like, oh, my God, I came for the Sabres, got this deal. So he was generally graded as a late first, early second. He goes in the early second, and that's a tough, tough year to come out. And I would say the same thing about Quinn. He's been similarly impressive and improving. But Paterka, he comes out, and he that next year is a mess because basically the only hockey that's being played for most of the year is the NHL. And he obviously can't go there yet. So he he's doing nothing but practicing, which, by the way, he had been doing for months before then because, again, the only hockey happening in the summer 2020 is the NHL. 
Like most of the other things across the world were, were shut down. There wasn't a lot of quote unquote bubbles for for leagues uh, lower than the top level. So he was barely playing from March 2020 for almost a year, you would say. And then there's the, the kind of abbreviated AHL season. I don't even know if he was involved in that though. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway, he uh, that's he he improves so much that he looks like he can make the team out of training camp. And then this year he does, and now he looks like the best rookie. But anyway. Uh, before we get to anything else, let's uh, hear a word from our sponsors real quick. It's DraftKings. Hockey fans, it's finally time to hit the ice again, and thanks to DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner, you're in for the season of a lifetime. New customers can bet just $5 in any NHL team and win $200 in free bets if they do. Hey, match if you might like this week. Maybe the Sabres uh, put the over on Thatcher Demko. Maybe Thatcher Demko's a little bit tired. Who knows? That's mm. Saturday's game. Uh, maybe Thatcher Demko doesn't play. Who knows? But if he does, if he doesn't, forget it, buddy. Put that over for Sabres goals. Mm. If he does, you know, take it under consideration that he might be tough. <laughs> so that wasn't enough excitement. You can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot and even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN for the Hockey Podcast Network. About $5 on any NHL team to win their game. You get $200 in free bets if they do. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, Taylor. So before we wrap up here, there are two games that are going to be played before our next episode. Of course, as you had mentioned before, the Sabres are playing Thursday night against the Flames and Saturday night against the Canucks before they take on the Kraken to end this West Coast road trip on Tuesday. But... Let's talk about these next two games. How are the Sabres going to fare? Good. 2-0? So you're talking Kraken, Canucks? No, I'm talking Flames, Canucks. Okay, Flames, Canucks. Uh, one and one. I like that. I think I'm going to go with that as well. Yes. Do we have time for a quick trivia or no? Unfortunately, we do not, everybody, sadly, but we're going to save it for our next episode on Monday. So if you're excited for some trivia, everyone. It wasn't that good of a trivia, to be honest. Well, then we're going to have an even better one on Monday. Yeah, we're not going to save it. I'm going to do a different one. Okay, perfect. All right, friends. Well, thanks for tuning into this episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. Make sure you're checking out both the presenters of this podcast on their respective websites, social media platforms, and whatever streaming platforms platform you're currently using to listen to this episode make sure you are checking out all of our fellow shows on both networks make sure you're also checking us out on social media you can find us straight up savers on facebook twitter and instagram and again whatever streaming platform you're currently using make sure you are either following or subscribe to us and we would very much appreciate it if you would also leave us a nice little review as well Last but not least, make sure you're going to DraftKings and using that code, promo code THPN at checkout to take advantage of great deals. We'll be back with a brand new episode on Monday, everybody. This has been Straight Up Savers.